to the locker room brought to you by the tech locker protecting your technology investments uh like subscribe leave us your comments join in the debates you know what to do hit all the right buttons uh, around the screen you guys know what to do um did you know 75 to 95% of new product launches will fail to meet their objectives. Did you know that? Did you also know that as of last year in the UK, there are approximately twice as many male entrepreneurs as there are female? Interesting. And um, today's guest, uh, Christina, she's very well placed to talk us through all of this um, and either debunk the facts uh, or underline them, tell us where we're all going wrong. Um, senior product leader, um, been around technology, knows a way through all of this stuff. There's nobody better placed. I'll let her introduce herself. Welcome to the locker room, Christina. Thank you very much, Neil. Um, big responsibility there. But yeah, so um, I have been within the tech and digital product space the last, well, almost 20 years. Um, I'm quite sector agnostic. Um, you know, sort of been been up through the ranks, started out as a business analyst and, you know, been at director level in, in big corporations. And I've also consulted for a number of years. So I've seen the, you know, the ugly and the beautiful, I think, uh, amongst amongst us. Thank you for having Absolutely. me. Oh, no, it's our, absolutely our pleasure. I'm looking forward to this one immensely. Um, before we go any further, uh, we're going to cover a whole bunch of topics where I think, you know, yeah. running very deeply through through yourself, like you say, is that kind of product leadership been in and around that strategizing yeah. transformational change piece. If you had to define product or a product business, maybe, what would you what would you wrap that as? Uh, um, well, I think there's a difference between product and product management, if you like. So I think most businesses are product businesses because it's it's really about you know, an offering you have to an end user. Um, so that's that kind of more or less covers everything from your local government to, you know, your big sort of Amazons of the world. You know, there is an element of you, you're creating something and you're putting it out there for an end user. So um, I think then there's obviously various ways of doing good product management or product management within that. Um, and that's kind of, if you look at you know, if I think of companies, not specific companies, but how you do that well is looking after, you know, your business really as service design holistically, you know, everything from, you know, your customer interaction through to your tech stack and how do you kind of, you know, in many ways drive, you know, not just in a capitalist sense, if you like, but how do you drive the most value out of what you have? Um, and that probably sounds a little bit cynical, but I guess that's that's a way of summing it up in terms of how do you get the best out of your people and and what you're offering, you know, and look look after that, obviously. Um, value is most definitely something we're going to come back yeah. to because that's, yeah. that's, that's one of those beautiful words that everyone has their own yes. definition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, is, there, is there such a thing as a bad idea, in your experience, from what you've seen, is there such a thing as a bad idea or is the simply bad strategy or execution um i would say those things go hand in hand um i think there are bad ideas um so i think i can think of a an example that's relatively recent um and <clears throat> the landscape will be changing now with ai coming in but if we're thinking of things like chatbots you know in customer service functions 
they are in reality very good ideas. They hit some very obvious metrics for the for the people that are interacting with the customers. Um, you know, in terms of taking their call handling, you know, reducing those numbers. But you know, we're not necessarily looking at that. That's what your users are after, or customers want. Um, so, you know, as I said, my recent example is that we were trying to. Um, get rid of some of the things that were actually causing friction in the first place and for customers to, you know, to actually contact kind of set customer service center, um, which, you know, we weren't really successful with, you know, the company was very adamant they wanted this, this chatbot in place. So I think, you know, I think it's more about when do you execute those things and against what, what metrics, you know, and really who, and therefore who are you serving with your, with your ideas. I think that's, yeah, I think that's kind of one that kind of springs to mind when we're talking strategy, bad idea, and, and actually kind of perhaps weaves into as well uh, when you apply technology and in what way really for for who, for what user, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's a deep vein in itself, isn't it? And and so yeah. you know, been been in and around the tech business from one side or another, very similar time frame to yourself. What, what shifts have you seen? You touched on AI a moment ago. Yeah. Is, is that is that the biggest disruptor you've seen? What have been the real sort of shifts in the sound? Um, I think it would be trail is not to talk about AI, but I think the biggest disruptor around that is really about the, the chat, the chat that's happening within our industries at the moment. I think AI in one form or another have been around since the kind of 50s, 60s, um, you know, and obviously now we have, you know, the capabilities to to really make use of it in, in many places. Um, I don't know the kind of disruption it's it's going to make. Uh, I think you know I've I've watched it with kind of apprehension. If I'm honest, I'm. I think it's exciting, but I also worry because I think we'll build in our biases and um, you know discrimination. You know which we're seeing in 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 some usage already. Um, you know if we talk surveillance. You know we're talking you know, language models where, you know, we're, you know, we're training our technology on existing data that has all our biases in there. Um, I think where I'm perhaps more excited and follow more is, is maybe in a less sort of consumer facing or less obvious space is much more in around the climate space. I think we're looking at getting breakthroughs around how do we decompose some of these forever chemicals? How do we kind of decompose some of all the plastic pollution we have out there? So I think those things are really exciting, perhaps less consumer facing at the moment. Um, but I think those will be, be big disruptors the next kind of 10 years, hopefully. And as a consultant, yeah. where do you even start to take a, a, a new <laughs> a new client on that, on that journey? How do you even get them to, to listen to you? Um, well, I think, yeah, get to listen to me. I think, first of all, you know, when you are a consultant in the space I've been in, which, you know, for the record is sort of largely around change. Um, I sort of hesitate to say transformation because I think that's another another one to perhaps um, maybe put to rest as a, as a terminology. I think that kind of brings about an awful lot of not so healthy behaviours and I think it can make existing staff feel quite undervalued um and unheard or not you know not listened to so i think and i think we also got to realize after you know the best sort of part of 20 years now you know is just technology evolution and sometimes we take bigger steps and need to take bigger steps than 
than previously perhaps. So sorry if that was just my soapbox and transformation. <laughs> but I guess in reality, I'm in that space. So, you know, so I go on the prices that obviously if they wanted to engage someone like me or, you know, I'm part of the team that they've already engaged because they want that change. You know, I think for me, the first thing is to understand where is that coming from? Who's leading that within your organization? Who's bought in and perhaps who's more skeptical? Um, and I think one of the things I try and, and do well, and, and I, I certainly think in my more senior career pride myself on is, is to try and apply a more situational leadership in that space. You know, so who do I need to perhaps work a bit harder on in terms of understanding why are they perhaps skeptical or don't see the need for this? And how do I kind of bring them on as allies versus people who are really bought in? And how do I best get them, you know, to feel even more involved and work with me or with us if we come in as a as a wider team? Um, you know, and that could be everything from, you know, some teams feel they already do it well. Some teams, as I said, feel already they haven't been listened to. So how can I amplify their voice and feel like I'm actually working as much for them as I am for a potential boss that has hired me to come in, you know. Um, so yeah, so understand that landscape, first of all, you know, I think for me, technology is people in people out. So I think that's kind of where you need to start and end. Um, yeah, and then you kind of figure out how can we go from there? Does that make sense? So the answer the question, Neil. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It, it absolutely does. And, and you, you, you're giving me so much, so many different things to come back to. It's hard to know where to start. Mm. I, th I think that's really interesting because you, you are you are having to come at it both ways. Like you say, you, you, you can yeah. kind of not. You from a team perspective, you with them. You're trying to you're trying to highlight to them how that evolution, how that next step and that change yeah. uh, is the right way to do it. And then it's not just something being done by sort of senior management, if you like. And then at the senior yeah. management level, you're trying to drive the consumer demands and the expectations of market and yeah. the team as well. Um, yeah. How's, I mean, consumer demands has, must have changed significantly over the years, right? How do you, how do you keep pace with that? Mm, I think the problems are the same. I think the challenges are the same. I think we are wanting more convenience. We want it faster. We want less friction in everything we do. So I'm not necessarily sh think that that has changed really in many ways. Um, I think in many ways technology has made, if I think about it from a more commercial perspective and I've done, you know, as you know, despite working across many sectors, I've done quite a bit in, in the e-commerce space. E-commerce has become so much easier if you want to do it quicker because it's been very, it's very formulaic now. You have the Shopify's of this world. You know, when I started out at ASOS almost 20 years ago, we built all of these things from scratch. And you're like, oh, my God, who, <laughs> you know, and now I click on a button in Shopify and it exists, you know, which is one of the later things I've done. And I'm like, this is, you know, if you take a step back, that's kind of mind blowing and quite exciting. But I think it can also perhaps be slightly boring for the people working on it because <laughs> you're now just integrating. Right. Um, but kind of back to consumer demand, I don't I think. <sighs> I think it's more about it has actually become more formulaic. So I think people's expectations are, of course, to the standard that, you know, you know, they want either free returns or they want to be able to buy with, you know, their phones and, you know, those kind of things. I think where, you know, where we're therefore kind of lacking and it is happening and it's been happening the last many, you know, sort of five, 10 years, but is in the wider kind of public sectors and public services, you know, we do want the same as we get from our e-commerce 
um, kind of experience, right? We expect that things from our local council is digitalized, you know, all those kind of things. I think we want more of. But I also think we see a wave the other way where there is a, um, a lot, you know, again, I'm London based. So perhaps I am, you know, again, also my own biases in terms of what happens elsewhere. I appreciate that. But, you know, I think people also want to have a mixed experience of a bricks and mortar and an online. You know, I think we're also seeing, you know, at least, you know, let's be honest, a middle class, you know, want a return to having more town centres and more kind of, yeah, kind of a, a mixed experience. And, you know, and and that's that's expensive for businesses, you know, because we do we we do buy so much online, all of us. So so I think it's much more individual these days than perhaps a, you know, when we had that first big wave kind of 15 years ago when everyone jumped on, it's got to be online all of it. So perhaps less less, less technology, a bit more experience led, I'd say. Does that make sense? And how do you stop your own bias coming into that? Because like you say, we're, we're all consumers yeah. of one or yeah. another, right? Um, yeah. how, how do you stop your own bias influencing direction? Yeah. Um, it is difficult. You you really got to watch yourself. Um, I think there are various ways you can can do that. I think first of all, it's um, listening to your customers. I think that's an obvious one. <laughs> you know, that's kind of one one. You know, you have to have a broad engagement with a broad segment of your consumers and and potential consumers as well. You know, who are the people that are not using your products and why potentially. Um, then it's also about your team makeup. You know, when you know you let's not make it tokenistic, but let's make sure we have diversity in our teams, you know, overused word, but nonetheless, you know, really important, you know, I'm, I'm a white North European woman, right, you know, so from a middle class background ish, <laughs> you know, so, so how do you kind of come, you know, how do you complement it with your team um, in that way? And, you know, where do you perhaps buy in information otherwise you know so you know be it be it you know data about your market data about your kind of demographic um i think that's one way i think another way when you go to a more nitty-gritty you know and and that kind of also feeds in a little bit to how you know in later years in terms of trying to build what i would call psychological safety in your teams you know you kind of let's kind of critique ideas you know directions if you have a larger team it's more difficult if there's only one or two of you you know but you know come up with a product idea or whatever and kind of make your team go okay tell me why this is a bad idea you know try and do some kind of impact scanning on it you know you know in terms of you know make sure you know always go for the ball not the player you know you might have heard me say that before you know but how do we kind of try and get a bit more robustness and cover you know all the angles of of our thinking it's, it's some of the ways that i I attempt to, you know, to kind of combat, you know, biases and and things like that. It's, it's a word you hear a lot, isn't it? And I think because of the the, the prevalence of, of AI and, and data, and you touched on data yeah. a moment about bringing data yeah. into the business. Yeah. Um, I hear it a lot that I could just go out and buy that data set, right? I can just go out and buy that that model or whatever it might be, and, and yeah. that is true. But, yeah. but when you take a step back, it doesn't feel that like that's a massive shift from where we've ever been. I think it's it's a bit like diagnosis of some serious illness. I think these days we're better yeah. place to be able to do that. But it's kind of always been a thing, right? So yeah. As as data in the industries you've worked across, has that always been yeah. a thing that you can utilize from a market perspective? Yeah, I'd say so. I think when I first started out, things like data analytics were really in its infancy. So, you know, um, I'm not going to lie and go, we did it from day dot at ASOS because we didn't because it 
wasn't really in place you know it became in place you know and we didn't really need to because we were very successful you know and then all of a sudden you know you start having other you know competitors to pub up right and and obviously you should be data informed um so yeah so it has been it has been from, from relatively early days i'd say we were quite quite quick on it but yeah yeah. I think it's important. I think the thing now is, like, as you, as you said, and as we touched upon earlier, these things are new. I think the thing is, it's now happening at, you know, at scale and at a speed that obviously we haven't seen before and haven't been capable of doing before. And I think that's where we can amplify all our isms. And that's what we need to watch out for. And I really think that isn't something that's talked enough about in our industry as a mainstream, the responsibility we all have. You know, we sort of see, oh, ethical tech or this and the other is only in an NGO space or only in a maybe government space or whatever. But I think we do, we do all carry a responsibility to to really look at how we build our technology from a inclusive manner. Um, and I don't think we're very good at it, you know. And that's down to what I would have hoped would have been such standards these days to, you know, make our technology accessible you know, still in this day and age, day and age, you go into organizations and they haven't thought about really basic accessibility um, in their code, in their software, in their technology. And I think that's, you know, I don't think we take that um, responsibility and that kind of care um, seriously enough, if I'm honest. Mm 